0: In the Days of Giants by Abbey Farwell Brown Chapter three of In the Days of Giants by Abbey Farewell Brown. This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Recording by Richard Caulfield, Wolverhampton, West Midlands. UNITED KINGDOM Vasir's BLOOD Once upon a time there lived a man named Vassir, who was so wise that no one could ask him a question to which he did not know the answer, and was so eloquent that his words dripped from his lips like notes of music from a lute. For Vasir was the first poet who ever lived. The first of those wise makers of songs, whom the Norse folk named skalds. This Vasir received his precious gifts wonderfully. For he was made by the gods and the Vanir, those two mighty races, to celebrate the peace which was evermore to be between them up and down the world vasir traveled lending his wisdom to the use of men his brothers and wherever he went he brought smiles and joy and comfort for with his wisdom he found the cause of all men's troubles and with his songs he healed them this is what the poets have been doing in all the ages ever since folk declare that every Skaild has a drop of vasir's blood in him this is the tale which is told to show how it happened that vasir's blessed skill has never ever been lost to the world there were two wicked dwarves named fiela and gela who envied vasir his power over the hearts of men and who had plotted to destroy him. So one day they invited him in to dine and while he was there they begged him to come aside with them for they had a very secret question to ask which only he could answer. Vasir never refused to turn his wisdom to another's help so, nothing suspecting, he went with them to hear their trouble. Thereupon, this sly pair of wicked dwarfs led him into a lonely corner. Treacherously, they slew Vasir, and because their cunning taught them that his blood must be precious, they saved it in three huge kettles, and mixing it with honey, made thereof a magic drink. Truly a magic drink it was, for whoever tasted of Vasir's blood was straight away filled with Vasir's spirit, so that his heart taught wisdom, and his lips uttered the sweetest posy. Thus, the wicked dwarves became possessed of a wonderful treasure. When the gods missed the silver voice of Vassir echoing up from the world below, they were alarmed, for Vassir was very dear to them. They inquired what had become of him, and finally the wily dwarves answered that the good poet had been drowned in his own wisdom. But Father Odin, who had tasted another wise draught from Mime's well, knew that this was not the truth, and kept his watchful eye upon the dark doings of Fiela and Gaila. Not long after this, the dwarves committed another wicked deed. They invited the giant, Giling to row out to sea with them and when they were a long distance from shore the wicked fellows upset the boat and drowned the giant who could not swim they rowed back to land and told the giant's wife how the accident had happened then there were giant shrieks and howls enough to deafen all of the world for the poor giantess was heartbroken and her grief was a giant grief. Her sobs annoyed the cruel hearted dwarfs, so Fiela, pretending to sympathize, offered to take her where she could look upon the spot where her dear husband had last been seen. As she passed through the gateway, the other dwarf, to whom his brother had made a sign, let a huge millstone fall upon her head. That was the ending of her poor thing, and of her sorrow, which had so disturbed the little people, crooked in heart as in body. But punishment was in store for them. Saktung, the huge son of Gilang, learned the story of his parents' death and presently, in a dreadful rage, he came roaring to the home of the dwarves. He seized one of them in each of his fists, and wading far out to sea, set the wretched little fellows on a rock, which at high tide would be covered with water. "'Stay there!' he cried, and drown as my father drowned.' The dwarves screamed thereat for mercy so loudly that he had to listen before he went away. Only let us off, Tung, they begged, and you shall have the precious mead made from Vastia's blood. Now Tung was very anxious to own this same mead, so at last he agreed to the bargain. He carried them back to land and they gave him the kettles in which they had mixed the magic fluid. Satung took them away to his cave in the mountains and gave them in charge of his fair daughter Gudlud. All day and all night she watched by the precious kettles to see that no one came to steal or taste of the mead for Satung thought of this as his greatest treasure and no wonder. Father Odin had seen all of these deeds from his seat above the heavens, and his eye had followed longingly the passage of the wondrous mead, for Odin longed to have a draught of it. Odin had wisdom. He had drained that draught from the bottom of Mimir's mystic fountain, but he lacked the skill of speech which comes of drinking Vassir's blood. He wanted the mead for himself and for his children in Asgard, and it seemed a shame that this precious treasure should be wasted upon the wicked giants who were their enemies. So he resolved to try if it might not be won in some sly way. One day he put on his favorite disguise as a wandering old man and set out for giant land where Satung dwelt. By and by he came to a field where nine workmen were cutting hay. Now these were the servants of the Bungai, the brother of Satung, and this Odin knew. He walked up to the men and watched them working for a while. Oh, he exclaimed at last, your scythes are dull. Shall I wet them for you? The men were glad enough to accept his offer, so Odin took a whetstone from his pocket and sharpened all of the scythes most wonderfully. Then the men wanted to buy the stone. Each man would have it for his own, and they fell about quarreling over it. To make matters more exciting, Odin tossed the whetstone into their midst, saying, Let him have it who catches it. Then indeed there was trouble. The men fought with one another for the stone, slashing right and left with their sharp scythes until everyone was killed. Odin hastened away and went up to the house where Bungai had lived. Presently, home came Bungai, complaining loudly and bitterly because his quarrelsome servants had killed one another so that there was no one left to do his work. What am I going to do? He cried. Here it is mowing time, and I have not a single man to help me in the field. Then Odin spoke up. I will help you, he said. I am a sterile fellow. I can do the work of nine men if I am paid the price I ask. What is the price you ask? queried Bunga eagerly. For he saw that this stranger was a mighty man and he thought that perhaps he could do as he boasted. "'I ask that you get for me a drink of Satung's mead,' Odin answered. Then Bungai eyed him sharply. "'You, you are one of the gods,' he said, "'or you would not know about the precious mead. "'Therefore I know you could do my work, the work of nine men.' I cannot give you the mead. It is my brother's, and he is very jealous of it, for he wishes it all for himself. But if you will work for me all the summer, when winter comes, I will go with you to Satung's home and try what I can do to get you a draft for you. So they made the bargain, and all summer, Father Odin worked in the fields of Bungai, doing the work of nine men. When the winter came, he demanded his pay, so then they set out for Satung's home, which was a cave deep down in the mountains, where it seems not hard to hide one's treasures. First Bungai went to his brother and told him of the agreement between him and the stranger, begging for a gift of the magic mead, wherewith to pay the stout labourer who had done the work of nine. But Satung refused to spare even a taste of the precious liquor. "'This labour of yours is one of the gods, our enemies,' he said. "'Indeed I will not give him of the precious mead. What are you thinking of, brother?' Then he talked to Bungai till the giant was ready to forget his promise to Odin and to desire only the death of the stranger who had come forward to help him. Bungai returned to Odin with the news that the mead was not to be had with Satung's consent. Then we must get it without his consent, declared Odin. We must use our wits to steal it from under his nose. You must help me, Bungai, for you have promised. Bungai agreed to this, but in his heart he meant to entrap Odin to his death. Odin now took from his pocket an auger, such as one used to bore holes. Look now, he said. "'You shall bore a hole into the roof of Satung's cave, "'and when the hole is large enough, "'I will crawl through and get the mead.' "'Very well,' nodded Bungai, "'and he began to bore into the mountain "'with all of his might and main. "'At last,' he cried, "'There, it is done!' The mountain is pierced enough. But when Odin blew into the hole to see whether it did indeed go through into the cave, the dust made by the ogre flew into his face. Thus he knew that Bungay was deceiving him, and thenceforth he was on his guard, which was fortunate. Try again! said Odin sternly. Bore a little deeper, friend Bungai. So Bungai went at the work once more. And this time, when he said the hole was finished, Odin found that his word was true. For the dust blew through the hole and disappeared in the cave. Now Odin was ready to try the plan which he had been forming. Odin's wisdom taught him many tricks and among them he knew the secret of changing his form into that of any creature he chose. He turned himself into a worm, a long, slender, wiggly worm, just small enough to be able to enter the hole that Bungai had pierced. In a moment, He had thrust his head into the opening and was wiggling out of sight before Bungai had even guessed what he might try to do. Bungai jumped forward and made a stab at him with the pointer ogre but it was too late. The worm's striped tail quivered in and out of sight and Bungai's wicked attempt was spoiled. When Odin had crept through the hole he found himself in a dark, damp cavern where, at first, he could not see anything. He changed himself back into his own noble form, and then he began to hunt for the kettles of magic mead. Presently, he came to a little chamber, carefully hidden in a secret corner of this secret grotto, a chamber locked and barred and bolted on the inside so that no one could enter by the door. Saktung had never thought of such a thing as that a stranger might enter by a hole in the roof. At the back of this tiny room stood three kettles upon the floor and beside them with her head resting on her elbow sat a beautiful maiden sound asleep it was gunnuns satung's daughter the guardian of the mead odin stepped up to her very softly and bent over kissed her gently upon her forehead gunnud awoke with a start and at first she was horrified to find a stranger in the cave where it seemed impossible that a stranger could enter. But when she saw the beauty of Odin's face and the kind look of his eye, she was no longer afraid, but glad that he had come. For poor Gnud often grew lonesome in this gloomy cellar home where Sir Tung kept her prisoner day and night to watch over the three kettles. Dear maiden, said Odin, I have come a long, long distance to see you. Will you not bid me to stay a little while? Gnud looked at him kindly. Who are you? And whence do you come so far to see me? She asked. I am Odin from Asgard. The way is long, and I am thirsty. Shall I not taste the liquor which you have there? Gnud hesitated. My father bade me never let soul taste of the mead, she said. I am sorry for you, however, poor fellow. You look very tired and thirsty. You may have one little sip. Then Odin kissed her and thanked her, and tarried there with such pleasant words for the maiden that before he was ready to go, she granted him what he asked. Three draughts, only three draughts of the mead. Now Odin took up the first kettle to drink, and with one draught he drained the whole. He did the same by the next, and the next, till before she knew it, Gnud found herself guarding three empty kettles. Odin had gained what he had came for, and it was time for him to be gone before Satung should come to seek him in the cave. He kissed fair Gunnud once again with a sigh to think that he must treat her so unfairly. Then he changed himself into an eagle, and away he flew to carry the precious mead home to Asgard. Meanwhile, Bungi had told the giant Satung how Odin, the worm, had pierced through into his treasure cave and when Satung, who was watching, saw the great eagle fly forth he guessed who this eagle must be. Satung also put on an eagle's plumage and a wonderful chase began. The two enormous birds winged their way toward Asgard. Satung, close upon the other's flight, over the mountains they flew, and the world was darkened as if by the passage of heavy storm clouds, while the trees, blown by the breeze from their wings, swayed and bent almost to the ground. It was a close race but Odin was the swifter of the two and at last he had had the mead safe in Asgard where the gods were waiting with huge dishes to receive it from his mouth. Saktung was so close upon him however that he jostled Odin even as he was filling the last dish and some of the mead was spilled about in every direction over the world men rushed from far and near to taste of these wasted drops of vassir's blood and many had just enough to make them dizzy but not enough to make them wise these folks are the poor poets the makers of bad verses whom one finds to this day satisfied with their meager stolen portion scattered drops of the sacred draught. The mead that Odin had captured he gave to the gods, a wondrous gift, and they in turn cherished it as their most precious treasure. It was given into the special charge of old Bragi of the White Beard because his taste of the magic mead had made him wise and eloquent above all others. He was the sweetest singer of all of the Hashir, and his speech was poetry. Sometimes Raegi gave a draught of Vasir's blood to some favoured mortal, and then he also became a great poet. He did not do this very often, only once or twice in the memory of the old man, for the precious mead must be made to last a long, long time until the world be ready to drop to pieces. Because this world without its poets would be too dreadful a place to imagine. End of Vasir's Blood